You mustn't settle. You cannot quit. That's one small step for man. This year is yours for the taking. A mountain to conquer, a giant to slay. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. That proverbial line in the sand in the journey of life. God is with you. Step out. I have a dream today. He is for you. Step up. You and I were saved by the cross. Let nothing hold you back. Great moments are born in great opportunities. Believe this is your year. Now it's time to see who has a heart. Declare it. We all want to help one another. Human beings are like that. Then make it so. It's the first weekend of 2024. You ready? You ready for God to move? I, uh... I'm so excited about this year, and I got into my office on Monday, uh, which was January 1st. It was the very first day of the year, and what I started doing is I just started praying for you. I was just praying for our church, and I just want you to know that when I was praying on January 1st, I just got this deep sense from God that he has someone here this weekend because this year is going to be the most transformative year of your life. And so I don't know who needs to hear this, but I just wrote these words down, and maybe these were written down just for you. I just said this. I said, God, you're bringing someone this weekend because you're going to change their life this year. And God, for some of them, they desperately need it. And then I just began to write down, God, there's someone that last year a relationship fell apart, and they feel so broken going into a brand new year. There's someone that lost a loved one, and Christmas was hard, but now they have to enter the year without that person, maybe even waking up next to that person. God, there's someone here that they have a destructive behavior that they can't seem to get over, and it's hurting them, and it's hurting everyone they love around them. And then I wrote down, God, there's a marriage here, and you know who you are. Like, you're thinking about ending it this month, January, and God has you here because he has better things in store for you. And then lastly, I wrote down that there's, there's someone here that, man, you, you've struggled with depression or fear or anxiety for so long. And this is the year God's going to transform your life. So I don't know who needs to hear that today. I just wanted you to know that God sees you and that you're not here by accident And I want to start our year off just praying. If you saw yourself in those words, God, would you just, would you join me as we just ask God to transform all of our lives this year, but especially those of us that desperately need a change. Would you pray with me? God, I'm so excited that you have some people here because it's not an accident and you truly want to change our lives by the power of your Holy Spirit. And so, God, I pray you open every single one of our our hearts up right now to just listen, to just hear from you. And, God, most importantly, would we be courageous in our obedience because it's only when we obey that our life begins to change. We pray all this in Jesus' name and all this said, amen, amen. Well, for the next seven weeks, we're going to launch into a series called I Declare. And here's why we're doing this series. 
For a lot of us, okay, our strategy for having a better year this year is what? I hope. You're like, I hope it's a better year. I want it to be a better year, and I hope it's a better year, but I just want to remind you, hope isn't a strategy. Hope is not a strategy. Hope's important, but hope's not a strategy because you can't just hope things get better. You can't hope your marriage gets better. You can't hope your finances change. You can't hope that you know, your kids are different if you don't do something different. Albert Einstein said it this way, remember? He said, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. That is insane. So we have to do something different. In fact, Jesus' brother James wrote a whole book in the Bible. In James chapter 2, James puts it this way, scripturally. He says this, in the same way, faith, and we know that, by the way, hope is a part of faith. So he says, hey, hope, faith, in the same way, faith is really important, but by itself, not accompanied by action, you doing something different, it's dead. It doesn't matter. So what are we going to do this year? We're going to move this year from I hope to I declare. Now, to declare something is to draw a line in the sand. It's to make a decision. It's to say things will not be the same. And we're going to make seven declarations over the next seven weeks of the series. I'm going to challenge you, don't miss a week of this series. And today, I want to start with the very first declaration. And it is likely the most important declaration you can ever make with your life outside of following Jesus. Following Jesus and being baptized, that is the biggest decision you can make. But the the biggest declaration you can make that will change every single area of your life. It is the key to you changing spiritually, financially, relationally, in every single area of your life. You know what it is? It's one word. Here it is. Consistency. Some of you just went, oh, I'm screwed. Because like how many of us just know that we're just not very consistent with our life, right? That was last year. That was last year. This year, we are going to declare, and I'm going to give you our first declaration statement because I want you to be thinking about this because at the very end of the message, I'm going to ask you if you're willing to stand up and to just make this declaration, to put a line in the sand. And here's the declaration. You don't have to say it out loud first. Let me just read it for you. It says this. This year, with God's help and the power of the Holy Spirit, I declare I will be a person of consistency. Because transformation happens when I do consistently what others do occasionally. That's how life changes. Now, I'm just going to ask, and maybe you're out here, how many of you would say, I'm a person that's, that's pretty deeply consistent? Like, I'm, I'm pretty crazy consistent. A few hands out there. For those of you that, are, that are really feel like good on this one, like I'm really consistent, I want to ask a deeper question, which is, are you consistent in the right things? See, so many of us were consistent in things we think matter, 
But maybe God has something deeper that matters even more. What we know statistically is at the beginning of the year, 70% of New Year's resolutions are all about what? Physical, our weight, what we look like. And by the way, even scripture says that's important, but it says it's not the most important thing. Listen to how clear this is in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Timothy says this, or Paul says this to Timothy, workouts in the gymnasium are what? They're useful. Like how clear is that? God's like, it's important that you work out. That's a message translation. NIV says the exact same thing. It's like, hey, physical training is, is useful. But watch what he says next. But a disciplined life in God is far more so. Like it's way above your physical training. Like that should trump everything else is your spiritual disciplines. Why? He says, because that makes you fit not just for today, but forever. So as you're thinking about your consistency, throughout this message today, you can apply this to every area of your life. I'm going to ask you to narrow it in and just ask yourself this question. What's something I need to be more spiritually consistent in? Because what Paul's telling us is there's a priority to our consistency. And you might be consistent at work. You might be consistent working out. You might be consistent with what you eat. You might be consistent in a lot of things. But until your spiritual consistency changes, your life will not change. And so I want you to think about what can I be more spiritually consistent in? And some of you are thinking this right now. Oh, that's easy for you to say because you're a pastor. Like you're spiritually consistent all the time. It's your job. I promise you, I promise you, that there are seasons and times in my life that I'm more spiritually inconsistent than I would ever, ever, ever want to admit. I mean, it's bad. And let me tell you why that is sometimes. We, we actually tell every person that's going to join our staff as a pastor, because a lot of them come and they've never been a pastor before, and what they think is like when you become a pastor, like everything becomes spiritually easier because you're working at a church. And I'm just telling you, and you, you may believe me or not, it is the exact opposite. In fact, it is more harder to be spiritually consistent working in a church than it is other places. And I want to just tell you why. And here's the very simple fact. Is that sometimes, I'll just personalize it, you can substitute helping other people spiritually as you personally being spiritually consistent. Does that make sense? Like, I'll, let me just tell you. I can spend all week long studying God's word to preach a message and that is very different than me sitting down personally with God's word saying, God, what do you want to speak to me? And, and I'm telling you, so I just want you to know right up front, transparently, I've struggled with my spiritual consistency at times, with my prayer life, with getting into God's word. In fact, I'll just tell you this. You want to know the time in my life I was the least consistent going to church? In Bible college. In Bible college. Like, I'm studying the word, I'm not even barely going to church. So, I've found myself at times looking at myself saying this, what is wrong with you? You ever look at yourself in the mirror and go like, what is wrong with you? And if you've ever thought that, I'm encouraged because one of the biggest spiritual giants in the whole entire New Testament, the Apostle Paul, he said the same thing. Can I read it to you? In Romans chapter 7, he said this. This is Paul. I don't really understand myself. For what I want to do, I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. 
I want to do what's right, but there's times I can't. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong. But he says this, there's times I do it anyway. What Paul is saying is this, I struggle with my consistency. And if you can relate with that, this message is for you. What Paul goes on to say is, is inside of all of us is a war going on at all times. He, he talks about the spirit and the flesh. There's God's spirit in us, for those of us that are followers of Jesus, that's trying to help us do the right thing, telling us the right thing to do. And then there's our flesh that's like, do the opposite. And there's a war going on, and, and Paul says, in that war, I sometimes don't do the right thing. Now, what we know from Scripture is that as Paul went on with his life, we can see he grew in his consistency, which means what? We can grow in our consistency too. So today, I want to talk to you about four ways based on Scripture that you can grow in your consistency. And some of them are counterintuitive. So if you're, I hope you're really taking notes today because I think these are life-changing. Okay, here's number one, a little counterintuitive. You start small. If you want to be a person of consistency, you start small. And here's why. Small things done consistently trump big things done occasionally. All the time. Now, let's talk about how change happens. Like, how does change happen in our lives? You know how it happens? One little small step at a time. Now, how do we want change to happen? Like, we want a running start. Can we do this? We want a running start and be like, change. You know, we're like, I didn't even plan on doing that. So I don't know if, if, I, look like a, if I look like a beautiful ballerina or like a lame pastor. I'm not sure. But we want change to happen in one mighty leap, don't we? Like, let me use your marriage as an example. When your marriage isn't going well, you know what you want to happen? One conversation. One appointment with a counselor. You want one big trip and everything changes. Can I tell you how marriages change? It's a small change daily, weekly, that compounds over time. That's how marriages change. Where your spouse sees a consistency, not just one trip where you are on your best behavior. That's how it changes. And we get messed up because we just want big. Let me personalize it. As a dad, I got messed up all the time because one of my biggest goals as a dad is I wanted to have a close relationship, like a deep relationship with my kids. And here's what I always thought as a dad, as a young dad, and I've completely changed my thinking. As a young dad, I thought this, well, it's just one big trip. Like, I'll plan the perfect trip to Disneyland. We'll bond. We'll get a picture. It'll change our life forever. You know, I'll just do one perfect dad-daughter date night, and it'll change her forever. I want someone to hear this. Parents, please hear this. It's never the one big thing you do as a parent that transforms your kids. It's the small acts of consistency. I promise you, your kids will not remember that three-day trip to Disneyland or that one-week trip you took somewhere else as the thing that changed their life. But what they will remember is a small act of consistency, of you bringing them to church every weekend, of you reading to them at night, of you praying for them. That's what changes people's lives. 
My wife, Jamie, she grew up in a family where they actually got to take some pretty awesome trips as a kid. And when she, you know, I first met her, she's like, you know, we went to, you know, Europe and we went to Disneyland all the time. And she even, when she was a teenager, she went to Israel. I'm like, man, that had been so life-changing. Like, I asked her one time, I said, what, what is the thing your parents did that transformed your life? And she said, oh, it's easy. They brought me to church every weekend, and I watched my dad read his Bible almost every single day. That is a small thing done consistently that transformed her life. I would say the same thing. If you ask me what changed my life, what did my parents do? My parents brought me to church every single weekend, such a small thing. And I watched my mom. She actually did a little Devo with us like five minutes every night as kids. Changed my life. Why? Because small things done consistently trump big things done occasionally. Listen to Zechariah 4.10. He says this, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Some of you may feel so far behind in an area of your life. Like you feel so far behind spiritually or with your kids or with their marriage. You're like, how would I ever catch up? And I just want you to know it's small things. You can start small and it just compounds and you'd be blown away at how life changes when you just start doing something small consistently. Um, I'll give you an example. Uh, three years ago, um, I, I was with two other pastors on our staff, and we, we set this big, hairy, audacious goal. It was January, and we said, by the end of the year, we're going to do a 10-minute plank. Now, we said that as a bunch of stupid guys that were like, we're just going to do it. I'd never planked before in my life, honestly. Do <laughs> you know what a plank is? You know, plank, I'm going to show you what a plank is. Because we, we started off doing 60-second planks in January. And a plank is when you just get down on the ground and you're kind of like this in this hold. And I'm just telling you, at the end of 60 seconds, I could barely hold it for 60 seconds. My whole body was shaking. I was like, I'm dying, something's wrong. Like, I could barely do a 60 second plank. And we did it every day through the month of January. We text each other and I was just dying. I'm like, there's no way we're getting to 10. In February, we went to a minute and a half. At the end of a minute and a half, I'm dying. March, we went to two minutes. I'm dying. April, we went to three minutes. I'm dying. How many of you think at the end of that year, December, we did a 10-minute plank? How many think we did it? You think I'd be telling you the story if we didn't do it? Actually, I would because I really don't mind sharing failures with you. I, really, I think that's important to do, and we'll talk about that later. But we did a 10-minute plank at the end of the year, and it was a miracle. Like, it was a miracle. I don't even, still don't even know how it happened. But how did it happen? How did it happen? Small, consistent changes compound over time to radically transform your life. So if you want to change in your life, here's number one. We're going to start small. Don't get all crazy big. I'm going to lose 50 pounds in five weeks. No, we're going to start small, okay? We're going to start small. Here's number two. Don't give up just because you don't see change fast enough. Okay, does anybody get impatient when, when you make a change and you don't, like, see a ton of change right away? I mean, I am, so, I am incredibly impatient, incredibly impatient. It's, it's like one of my greatest weaknesses, and, you know, if you were here over the Christmas Eve services, you remember I told you the story about my wife giving me the, the weight scale for Christmas, remember that? 
And I kind of like, I kind of got one on her a little bit, you know. I was like, you gave away school. What I didn't tell you the rest of the story is at that moment, I was in probably the worst shape of my entire life when she gave that to me. And I had hinted I wanted to keep going back to the gym, and she was kind of hinting. She's like, are you ever going to go back to the gym again? <laughs> you know, I'm like, you shut your mouth, you know. <laughs> By the way, I would never say that to my wife, but I could think it. All right, <laughs> I was like... So I started going back to the gym, and I'll never forget, like after the first week of like being in the gym, I came home, and Jamie kind of caught me in the mirror, kind of like flexing a little bit, and I was like, do you see any changes? And the answer was what? No. No. I was probably worse off. I felt worse off than I had, right? I want you to understand, even scientifically, how change happens. Now look at this graph. This is what we think should happen with change. This is the results, this is time. We think that change happens immediately and it just goes up and to the right. This is how scientists tell us change actually happens. It happens like this. And what this gap is called is called the valley of disappointment. (laughs) You need to to sink this in your mind. When you make a change, when you make a change, you're not going to see a lot of change at the beginning. And this is why so many people give up, because they don't want to get through the valley of disappointment. But if you'll just keep going, you will see radical change. Put it this way. If you started working out three days a week, and some of you just got back in the gym, okay, and congratulations. You start working out three days a week. At the end of three weeks, you may see no change. But you do three days a week, for six months or a year, it will change your life. You start reading your Bible every single day. After a week, two weeks, you're like, I don't know if I see a lot of change. You read your Bible every day for a year, God will absolutely transform you. Many of you were here at our Christmas Eve services and during our Christmas Eve services, my challenge for you, and that's why some of you are back, is, is to commit to January and February, I'm not going to miss a week in a church. I'm going to be consistent. And listen, you may walk away from this service. You may walk away from a couple services. And you may say, I don't know if I'm seeing a lot of change. But you come January and February and you keep going, even through the end of the year, you will see God change your life. Remember the life story of Matthew we showed you at Christmas Eve? I want to show you the rest of his story because it's a story of consistency. Watch this. It's hard to see if you don't look that he's been there guiding you. You know, I was a, a Christian, but even, even as a fair weather one, I you know, would go to church occasionally and I believed in Jesus and that he was there. And so through everything, when I look back now, I, I can sense, okay, I survived cancer and I made it through medical school and I returned home from Afghanistan safely. And then having to go through divorce and not having any local friends or family since I didn't grow up here. I think all of those things, when you look at them, it's, it's God some way, somehow was guiding this all along. But it's because of the faith from Michaela all along 
pushing me to want to get baptized and really be all in and see what that's about. Like that next week is when I decided also to attend church regularly. I think the most important part of, about attending consistently is showing yourself as well as showing God that this is intentional. You know, I, I, I grew up believing that you go on special occasions and, you know, faith is just one thing that you have because you might wear a cross around your neck, etc. But by going every week, not only the most important part is that I receive a great message that changes my day, my outlook for the next day, week, month, year, but it also is me showing my faith and my dedication, right? I'm showing up, I'm here. So we're there, it is the most important part of our life to be able to go there as a family, to pour into others, to have others pour into us while we're following Jesus and try to become a better Christian for him every day. It's something that I absolutely couldn't live without today. And they, my daughters, want to be at church. Michaela, it, it will be an issue if she can't go on Saturday to both coach and then go to her service. She knows she needs to be there. And so she reads the Bible every night, her verses before she goes to bed. If she needs something, she knows she can reach out to her group mentors for the eighth grade service. And that is super inspiring to me. Cause then I know, okay, if, if my 13 year old knows where to turn, then I should know where to turn. And I do now because of that. It's not easy every day to wake up and, and put God first. I struggle with it still every day. I, I feel like I'm a newfound Christian, right? In just the past few years, rebaptized, attend every week, coach soccer, my daughters attend, and trying to make sure that when I wake up, no matter how good or bad the day is, to put God first. And by doing that and following Jesus and reading scripture and being here, really has changed my life completely. What, what changed Matthew's life? What changed his family's life? It was just consistency. And I want to point out, by the way, it started with Michaela's consistency, a teenager who, who brought her dad and their whole family. And I just want to call out our CCV students because so many of them are being so consistent. We're seeing life change and they're bringing their parents, which is amazing. But hey, when you start, don't give up just because you don't see change right away. What does Galatians 6, 9 say? Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we what? Do not give up. You don't give up. Transformation happens when you do consistently what others do occasionally. So we're gonna start small, we're not gonna give up, and then the third thing we're gonna do, and this is so counterintuitive, is we're gonna plan for failure. You're like, what? Yeah, plan for failure, because being consistent is not the same as being perfect. Why do so many of us struggle being consistent? It's because we put ourselves in basically the kind of situation where we have an all or nothing mindset. It's like, it's all or nothing. And all of a sudden we set a goal or we put in place you know, something we're gonna do and we miss once or we miss twice and we're like, oh, forget it, failed. 
And that's exactly where Satan wants you to be. Listen, if your aim is perfection, when you mess up, you'll give up. And can I remind you, there's only one perfect person who has ever walked this earth, and it's not you. His name's Jesus, and everyone else, we're gonna have misses. So listen, your aim is not perfection, your aim is consistency. And planning for failure sounds so counterintuitive, but let me clarify it. Planning to fail doesn't mean you expect to fail. It means you know what to do to get back on track when you have a miss, which you know you're gonna have a miss. Listen, if you, if you set a goal, hey, I'm gonna read my Bible every day. If you miss a day or two, you don't give up, you get back on track. If you miss a day, don't miss two. If your goal is to be at church every single weekend, if you miss a weekend, don't give up, just don't miss two. If your goal is to pray with your kids every single night, listen, you miss a night, you don't give up, you just don't miss two. You're not perfect. You're not aiming for perfection. You're aiming for consistency. I'll give you a, a personal example. One of the things I am most consistent in in my life is in the morning, every morning, trying to get up and read God's word. Now, I use a physical Bible to read from. I like that. But I, what, I, what I'm going to read that day, I use a version Bible plan that kind of tells me what to read, that, that I kind of get through the Bible in a year. And I really like tracking it that way. And because I use that Bible app, it tells me how many days in a row I've read my Bible. Now, how many of you think, just raise your hands, all our campuses, how many of you think I've done 365 days in a row without missing? Gosh, you don't believe in me much at all. Wow. <laughs> I've actually never done it. And I can track it. Again, some of us are like, I've done it. No, have you tracked it? Do you know for a fact? I know for a fact, because I use that app every single morning to track what I'm doing, that the longest I've ever gone is 156 days. Which means what? I am consistent, but I'm not perfect. And if I miss a day, I just don't miss two. And sometimes I'm traveling, I have an early 5 a.m. meeting or something and just got away. But I'm not gonna use that as discouragement because that's what Satan wants to do. Do you know one of Satan's greatest tools in your life is shame? And Satan wants you to mess up and he wants to go, see, you're a failure, just give up. And some of you, that's what you've done. You've stopped coming to church at some point because you failed in life and you thought, I'm a failure. I can't do it. You stop reading Bobby, stop going to a small group. Your enemy, let me put it this way, your enemy is after your consistency. Because Satan knows the moment he gets you to give up and you're not consistent, he has won. So we don't go after perfection. We go after consistency. We don't let Satan pull us off. And by the way, when we mess up, when you mess up, you don't run from God. You run back to him. I think that's why Paul, remember in Romans chapter 7, he wrote about how he failed a lot of times. Like there's times I, I just don't do what I want to do. Well, Paul didn't run away from God. Do you know what he wrote in Romans chapter 8 verse 1 right after saying that? He said this, therefore there is what? No condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. God's not condemning you because you're not perfect. <laughs> he wouldn't even have sent Jesus if you were perfect. He's welcoming you with open arms when you're not perfect, and he's just going, I don't want your perfection. I just want your consistency. 
So what are we going to do? We're going to start small. Don't give up. We're not going to aim for, for perfection. We're looking for consistency. And number four, we're going to fall in love with the process, not the outcome. I want to explain this because it's so big. And James Clear writes about this in a book called Atomic Habits. If you ever wanted a book that's really good about trying to learn to be consistent and have habits in your life, James Clear writes this. He says, new goals don't deliver new results. New lifestyles do. And a lifestyle is a process, not an outcome. For this reason, all of your energy should go into building better habits, not chasing better results. And there's so much wisdom in that, it's crazy. So many of us, man, we, we get so goal-oriented, we get so outcome-oriented that we miss just focusing and falling in love with the process, with the habits. And this is so hard for me because I'm as goal-oriented as you can imagine. I promise you I am. I, I set goals. I get so results-oriented. But here's the problem. If you just focus on your goal, that's it. What, what we do sometimes, I'll put it this way, I'm going to lose 20 pounds by the end of this year. Well, guess what? Sometimes when you set a goal and that's all you focus on, you push your happiness to when you meet the goal. Your happiness is delayed until you ever meet that goal. And you put yourself in an either-or situation. What if you get to the end of the year and you only lost 18 pounds? Did you fail? So what are we going to do? There's a better way of thinking that actually not only helps you, it leads to better results. It leads to you meeting your goals more often than just focusing on the goal. And what we're going to do is we're going to fall in love with the process, not just the outcome. If your goal is to lose 20 pounds, you don't win when you get to the end of the year and you lost 20 pounds. You know when you win? Every single day you show up in the gym. That's your win. If your goal is to read the Bible or read through the New Testament by the end of the year, your win is not when you get to the end of the year and you complete it. Your win is every single day you show up in God's word. That's your win. If your goal is to attend church and to be here every single weekend, not miss, you don't win at the end of the year when you did it. You win every single time you show up because we're going to fall in love with the process and what God's doing when we just show up not the end result. My friend Craig Rochelle, he says this so brilliantly. He says, success isn't when you achieve a goal in the future. Success is when you honor God today. Is that not good? Success is not when you meet a goal in the future. It's just honoring God with your life today and trying to be as consistent as you can today. Why? Transformation happens when you do consistently what others do occasionally. Let me ask, where do you need to see your life change? Why will some of us get to the end of this year and it will be the most transformative year of our life and others of us, nothing will have really changed it comes down to our consistency. And not just any consistency, it comes down to your spiritual consistency, which is why I want every person here to answer this one question. It's your challenge for today. What's one thing I can do 
One thing, don't pick 20. What's one thing you can do to become more spiritually consistent? And some of you might say, God, I really need to get into God's word daily. Some of you might say, I need to get into a small group. Some of you might need to start serving. You know that's going to be transformative for you. Some of you might want to start just inviting people to church because you've got out of that habit and it's so transformative when you invite someone, you see their life changed. But there is one piece of consistency spiritually that I want to narrow in on that is going to seem so small. And it is the thing that I think is missing from most people's lives and why they're not seeing the change they want to see. It is a keystone habit that our world has made optional and God says it's essential to your faith. And here's what it is. It's showing up every weekend to church to worship. It seems so small. But small things done consistently always, always, always trump big things done occasionally. And we have a generation that has made church optional. And it's destroying people's lives. The average person comes to church about 1.2 times a month. And many way less than that. And here's what we're told in Hebrews. Hebrews says, let's not get, let's stop, 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 not giving up meeting together, as in some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Some people have got out of the habit of being in church, and, I, and he's, Paul's like, we need to get back in the habit and encourage each other. You need to be here every weekend, and especially as the day is approaching. And he's talking about the day approaching where when one day God comes back. But I want to tell you this, there's a day approaching in your life where your marriage will fall apart if you don't increase your consistency. There's a day coming where your kids will fall away in their faith. And one of the reasons why is because you for too long showed them that a sport is more important than coming to worship their savior. There's a day coming where your mental health will never improve because you don't show up to worship and fill your mind with the word of God and worshiping the only God that can truly transform your heart and mind. And so I am going to issue a major challenge as we start our year that you would say this is the year that I am consistent in church every weekend. And I'm not talking, if you live in Phoenix, about you showing up online. Do you hear me? You say, well, there, God does something supernatural by his Holy Spirit when we gather together. It's how he designed it. And you can't get that when you're at home alone. Now, if you're traveling, God bless America. Join in. If you live in another state, we love that you get to join in. But for those of you that live here in Phoenix, you have no excuse. There's a campus near you. You need to be there every weekend. And if you want to make that commitment, or you want to make another commitment spiritually, I'm going to ask you to draw a line in the sand right now to make a declaration. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. But if you want to make a declaration, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet right now across all of our campuses and I'm going to have you read out loud with me a declaration. So if you want to make that declaration, you just stand to your feet right now. This is a line in the sand moment. God, no more. I'm going to be consistent. 
This is my year. And if that's you, I want you to just read this out loud as a commitment between you and God. Read with me. This year, with God's help and the power of the Holy Spirit, I declare I will be a person of consistency. Transformation happens when I do consistently what others do occasionally. Stay standing, and I want to close this out in prayer. God, there's someone here that needs this year to be the year everything changes. And God, we, we can't see change when we're not committed to consistency. God, it doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean things are going to change overnight. But I pray for the man or woman here that decides that they're going to be consistent in 2024. I pray that you show them your faithfulness and that this will be the year everything transforms. We pray this now in Jesus' name. And all of us said, amen. Have a great week, CCV. Let this be a year of consistency.